If we have not met, I'm Pastor Mike Ramsdale, and I know many of you remember uh, back uh, late spring and early summer when it rained every single day. It was cloudy for weeks on end. How many of you said, will the sun ever shine again? <laughs> if you said that at any time during that season of rain, thank you very much, because <laughs> it is surely shining now, and which is basically August in Texas. That's how, how it works here. We, we all know that. This is the last week in a message series in the Bible book of Habakkuk, a very important book, I think, in Scripture, one that I've enjoyed reading uh, parts of it, especially for, for many, many years. I want to share that with you in this season. We've been doing that, hopefully, uh, in a really good way, and I want to share this also. It's only three chapters. It's a book really dealing with issues related to the world falling apart. Life is very, very difficult. Things are not getting better and not going to get better. And I believe God is saying to all of us in this book, it's in his Bible, that, that uh, our Bible, your Bible, that we need it. God is saying you need these three chapters, so I'm going to give them to you here right in the middle of this book we call the Bible. Habakkuk, a prophet of God, writing in a time of great difficulty, as you probably know. Uh, we're actually looking over his shoulder as he prays to God. Uh, already he makes the claims that everyone around him has fallen away from God, no longer living as God's people, they, even though they're right there around the city of Jerusalem and Judea. He makes that claim. Talks about injustice, talks about sin, talks about everything collapsing around him, and also about a nation called Babylon who is about to invade. They're at the gates and they're about to destroy Jerusalem, Judea, the temple, all of it. And that's going to happen. It can't be stopped. He seems to know that as he writes these words. So you really can't say the world's any worse today than it was then. It's falling apart then. And here are some of the things that has been said in the book so far to get us updated to today and how we've walked the process through this message series. It begins with him praying to God saying, oh Lord, how long? And how long is it going to be this injustice, this misery, this difficulty going? How long is it going to take place? That's how he begins in the prayer, in an honest, open way with God. And he talks about a teaching he learns, and that is, well, I've got to live by faith. I must live by faith, and then God's faithfulness and my own faithfulness. I must journey to that place. He talks about God being in his holy temple. And let all the earth keep silent before that. God, because God is God, is God, is God, no matter what. That's still a truth that often intersects and must intersect difficult seasons. This is the message series, Faith in Hard Times. And he says, the sovereign Lord, the almighty God, he's going to give me strength. In fact, he'll make my feet like the feet of a deer. I can climb anywhere, do anything by God's strength in my life. And today, the title and the last message in the series, Joy in the Season of Trouble. Joy rejoicing in the season of trouble. I visited a, a man that I've known for 20 years in uh, the Alzheimer's unit in Grand Prairie uh, yesterday. Uh, met my body visit with him. I, I, in fact, uh, Jack, call him his name, uh, Jack, when he was able to come to church, sat right about five rows from the back there on the right, he and his wife. Uh, and I met Jack. Jack was the first person in this church that I met more than 20 years ago because he was the late delegate for this church to what we call annual conference in the Methodist church. So he was there with his church family, those there representing you in the annual conference. 
And because I was getting ready to move, uh, I walked across the, from the tables, and had about 1,000 people there somewhere in that time, and said, hi, I'm going to be your new pastor on Wednesday, because that's how it works. I'm going to move in on Wednesday. He said, so, hey, how are you? And we visited for a while, so he was the first person I met in our church family. Uh, Jack also was a leader in our church in other areas as well. Served in what's called our PPR committee, Pastor Parish Relations Committee, for many, many years. Did that for a long time. Also was a, a big uppity up with IBM in his career. Uh, following that, he also served on staff at Texas Christian University. Very involved in that university. Loved being there, being part of that. Uh, and also his family, community, and always came to church. Very faithful to be here for many, many years. But in the last couple of years, he began to deteriorate. And not that old, really. You know, not that old. He's older than me, but not that much older than me. But he began to deteriorate in his life. And so I got to go by yesterday to see him. And, and I'd seen him for a, a few months. Uh, he'd only recently progressed to where he needed to go to the Alzheimer's unit. So I'd not seen him. The last time we talked, able to talk. He could walk around. Didn't, wasn't communicating quite like he had in previous years. A very intelligent, smart, capable man. Very verbal, loved to have conversation. He couldn't do that very well anymore. Uh, but yesterday, he couldn't do it at all. He was at that stage of life where he's in the wheelchair. He's kind of leaning over. And he had kind of the bib on where he'd had breakfast earlier that day. Uh, and I looked down as we talked. And, and I say we talked. I talked. I'm Mike. I'm Pastor Mike. Good to see you again, Jack. And how are you? And we, there was no conversation. And he looked at me. And he might have known who I was. I'm not sure. And so I did what I could do. I prayed for him. And Sat there for a while with him, spent a, a season with him there in that place, you know. And, and I did notice at the last minute, he still had, after five years, his God is big enough wristband on. He was still wearing that even when he might not have known what it was. When you think about that with me, I want you to understand what Habakkuk is telling us and what God is saying to you and me in these very powerful words of our life is falling apart, but God is still God for you and me what that really means. We often miss that. Because joy is more than I feel good or I'm happy. And I want you to think about what, what that really means and what we're talking about today in, in joy in our deepest brokenness of sin and death that overwhelms the world and us at the most unlikely surprising moments as it has Jack in his life and what really joy is the joy we want. In our culture, we hear the word happiness so much. We're overwhelmed by offerings of happiness, typically somebody trying to sell us a product. Uh, not long ago, we are looking at a commercial, and I love to, for some reason, I've got to help who's ever watching TV with me understand what we're saying. I'm one of those guys that I want to give a running commentary on what's happening here. My wife enjoys that every once in a while, but not very often. But we were doing that this day, and a commercial that came on said, Rhonda, you need to look at this commercial. They're saying you can buy, get happiness in a can. You missed in the commercial. You can't get happiness in a can. And she said, maybe not, but chocolate cake. You know, that's where she went with that. So what is happiness? What is joy? What's Habakkuk telling us? I'll show you some pictures today of what sometimes we think of happiness in regard. That person there just got the job. And so there we'd say, now that's a happy moment. Got a job. They're happy. 
Now, I've got to go to work the next day, so maybe I'm not quite so happy then. But right now, happy. The next picture. Oh, vacation time. Vacation. Now, there's some happiness. We recognize that, you know, and beaches especially so. And I'm sure that's iced tea in the glass. I'm positive that's iced tea that, that he's holding. I know it couldn't be anything else. So. But he's a happy man. Okay, won the lottery. Now, many people think that is their happiness incarnate, to get free money. And there they are, appearing very happy at this moment in matching shirts, how cute that is. Uh, ha- run the race. Happiness, happiness, I won the race, I, I was achieved, I, I overcame, I, I conquered, it's me, and here I am, and you see an exaltation on the face of the runner, and there are those pictures of happiness, and the last one, the last one with, yeah, now, for many, that's, that's real happiness, that's happiness, you know, I've got, a, I've got a hamburger, you know, I'm about to eat that, and that's, for many, pure joy. In fact, we talked about hamburgers this morning already with the family over here. We talked about hamburgers for a while, you know, and so that's, that's pure happiness for many. What exactly is happiness? What is happiness? There was a television series a few years ago. It's now a reruns almost uh, any night. You can see it called Happy Days, uh, set in the 50s and early 60s. And so the idea there is it used to, we used to have happy times and now it's so sad today, you know, and, and we have a lot of that, and, and we forget that if you were around during that season, I was born in the 50s, then the 50s, it was also Cold War, uh, Korea War was ending, Vietnam was about to begin, and by the way, Happy Days didn't, didn't necessarily note the fact that discrimination in America was at its peak, especially in the South. You didn't want to be a minority in America in the 50s, in the 50s and early 60s. And so maybe it wasn't as happy as we remember, but somehow we think those were happy days, happy days. Happy days are here again. Now, that's a song you may not have heard. I'm not going to sing it for you, but it goes back to politics uh, where people running for office and they would sing when someone was elected to be our, our, picked to be their candidate. Happy days are here again. We're going to get our candidate and it'll all be happy when they step into office or get elected. Again, it's a tongue-in-cheek song, but still it came with a word, right? came with the word happiness. Happy days are here again. Happy days. Scott could sing it for us. I'm not. <laughs> Happy hour. I'm not sure what that means. Anybody know what that means? <laughs> Cheap booze. Cheap booze. You get it for a buck or two or three or whatever. I have no idea what it sells for, but I know that it's cheaper than normal. And people would go there for whatever reason. Happy days are, you know, how they proclaim happiness around happy hour and where the source of happiness might come from there if that tone is true. Of course, at Duck Dynasty, we hear this a lot, maybe. Uh, happy, 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 happy. Not a bad way to greet someone or say goodbye to someone. Happy, happy, happy. And then a song that was sung a few years ago. It's called Don't Worry, Be Happy. Don't worry, be happy. If someone is in a bad situation, like Jack, or maybe you, one of the things that Pastor David has been saying is if you don't need this today, you're going to need it. If you don't need a Habakkuk right now, you will need a Habakkuk. Chances are you've already needed that or needed it now. Someone's in that dark, difficult journey and, and life is tough and, and they're losing or hurting or, or, or diseased or grieving or wherever they might experience, don't say to them, don't worry, be happy. They might say something back to you if you do. I'm not going to say that to Jack. Don't worry, be happy. 
not going to say it to his family either or his wife. Don't worry. Be happy. Because it's not that simple. Now, the culture has these images of happiness that I've addressed already in this service. But really, the joy talked about here in Habakkuk is a spiritual thing. It has a spiritual connotation. It is an attribute of a relationship with God that depends upon God's faithfulness to us and just our faith in the darkest, most difficult times. It's an outgrowth of that faith. It's a result for us as Christians of our God-given, cross-based faith. And there is a reason that the cross is the center of Christianity. It certainly magnifies our sin, shows what needed to take place to forgive us of sin. It also shows us as well how God walks with us in our season of crosses that we bear and carry and live through. It's part of our journey, part of our journey, joy in the season of trouble. Point I want to share today that I hope you'll connect with. If walking with God is the highest value, I talked about that last week, that uh, we, if we prioritize walking with God as the most important thing to us, then we can always do that. Everything else becomes less than that, then life falls into a beautiful pattern the way God intended for it to be, His design. But that's true that joy in God is the highest good. Rejoicing in God and rejoicing here specifically in the God of my salvation. Now you heard the, the text read of Habakkuk, the last, these are the last few verses of Habakkuk. We've been heading to this all this five weeks. And I want to put that up on the screen, those verses, NIV version. You also have it on your message page if you want to, if you'd rather look at it but I'm going to have you read it with me is the reason I'm going to give you these options. You can either read it from the screen or read it from the paper, depending on how, what works best for you. And so for those, uh, you know, who, who can't read close up, we got it for you. Those who can't read far away, we got it for you. Hey, you can't miss joining us in these words. Now, now remember what Habakkuk has already said. Life is the pits. My world is falling apart. It's going to get worse. I'm going to lose everything that I've ever cared about in life is going to be gone. Just like Jack. He's lost everything he's had in life. It's all gone. All he's had left is that wheelchair and the breakfast he had that morning. Okay? It can happen. Part of our journey sometime. And here's how he responds. Hope we can respond as well. Read with me out loud if you would. Though the fig tree should not blossom... And there be no fruit on the vines, though the yield of the olive should fail, and the fields produce no food, though the flock should be cut off from the fold, and there be no cattle in the stalls, yet I will exalt in the Lord, I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. Really? Really? You, you get the call that your retirement fund has been wiped out by bad investments. Ever happened to anybody here? There are people here who's had that happen, who's lost everything financially through bankruptcy, through a bad investment, uh, through a pension fund that was abused by those who lead it, uh, through a job loss, or through ill health, and the money went to the hospital bills. There are those who have had exactly that happen, really. Uh, though the report came, 
oh, by the way, the, your report for cancer is not good. That, that it's worse, or you have it, you know. Or that letter that comes in the mail where someone you care about says, I'm going to divorce you, I don't love you anymore, and they're gone. Or a child calls you on the phone and says, I've got bad news, I was arrested, or I get kicked out of school, or, I, I, or I, I, I'm going to divorce, and I don't know if you're going to see the grandkids anymore. And, and you could make your own stories. Both tell me the ones you've had, the ones you're worried you might have, and the ones you've heard of, and part of our story. No matter what happens, I will re rejoice in the God of my salvation, in the God that saves me and makes me whole and is always faithful with me, and I, I, I will... I, I, will, I will have confidence in. Rejoicing in our salvation, not our situation. Rejoicing in our salvation and not our situation is a way of life for the believer we must grow into that core is faith and trust in God who loves us. That cross-based faith I talked about. Habakkuk really talks about certainly his own life as he shares his story of talking to God. He also talks about the enemy, in this case, King Nebuchadnezzar, who is head of Babylon, who, who's, the, who's the, uh, the, the king of Babylon. And Babylon is the nation that's going to destroy Jerusalem, Judea, his homeland, and everything he cares about is about to happen. They've already destroyed what's called the northern kingdom, which is the ten tribes of Israel to the north of Jerusalem and Judea. And now it's their turn. He knows it's going to come. And he writes about that guy like this. He says, he is the proud one. His soul is not right with him. He enlarges his appetite like hell. It means like people, dominions of hell, by Sheol. And he, like death, he says, is never satisfied. He also gathers to himself all nations and people. That's what he's doing. This man that he talks about is about wealth and power and luxury, and more wealth, and more power, and more luxury, and that's what he cares about. But as for me, I rejoice in the God of my salvation. Now, if I ask you the question, where are you? What are we about? Well, you know, the, it's an easy answer. We can easily say, well, I know it's rejoicing in God. It's not about all those things. It's not about wealth and power, whatever it might be. Now, now Nebuchadnezzar is a king, and so his appetites are really big because he's got appetites that kings have. Now, you and I, most of us, I'm sure, are not kings or queens, but, but we have appetites as well. We have things we want to achieve and, and get and make happen and, and make work and, and obtain. And that's what we're, we, we care about, those kind of things. And so, so we really honest with ourselves, what am I really working to get out of life? What do I really want? Can we always say, the God of my salvation matters the most. What kind of pattern do we live by and choose to live by in our own journey of faith? The Apostle Paul writes pretty much what Habakkuk just wrote in only one verse. And the Apostle Paul writes his words while he is in prison. And like Habakkuk, he was a good godly man, maybe the most godly good man on the earth in his season. Habakkuk might have been that same man in his season. And for this, 
Habakkuk is going to watch his nation fall apart and be destroyed, and Paul is going to find himself in prison simply for doing good and sharing Christ with his world. And he writes these words in Philippians. He says, rejoice in the Lord always, and I'll say it again, rejoice. That's what he says. He's, that's what the words say, rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Look at that song the choir sang. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I'm going to tell you rejoice. And he tells the, the, the church of Philippi these words there in Greece. He tells his Greeks and Roman Christians, he tells them to do that, and he does so from his place of, his place of celebrating, rejoicing. He can tell them so much. It's like Jack might be telling you and me today, there in that, that, uh, that he was in the waiting room there, uh, of the dining room area, uh, when I saw him, he's saying, you know, God is still big enough. The band he's wearing on his wrist that he never took off, that he still has, that he still wears, he's saying to you from that place, he's saying to you and me, he's saying to us in our life, wherever we are, probably not as bad as his situation, certainly not as bad as his situation, he's saying God is big enough still. God is rejoice in the Lord always, Paul says. Again, I'll say rejoice. The song goes like this, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Rejoice, rejoice. And again, I say rejoice. Beautiful words. Another song, well, I sing a lot to myself or to God in my season of prayer. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. This kind of joy is a choice. Being happy is not a choice. I'm not even sure what happiness really means. And if I ever had it, what it was when I had it. But joy in my salvation, I know what that means. I know what it means to realize I can trust God in the darkest situation. I know what it means to turn to God in a time of need and say, God is still here. Rejoice in that kind of joy, which is far, far more than whatever happiness might or might not be. What we're talking about today. When I begin this message series five weeks ago, if you're, if you're new here, you may not have heard that, so I'm going to kind of review it a little bit. When I began the message series, I, I talked about a family in our church, uh, Robert and Brenda Gaston. Uh, and they, they attend this service when they can come. You might have seen Robert on occasion with his wife, Brenda. When they're able to attend, rarely, they sit all the way at the back in the wheelchair section uh, because he's in a wheelchair. Uh, three years ago, uh, he, they're in their mid-60s. They're still pretty young, I think. In their mid-60s, they were, were preparing for retirement. She was a few months down the road. He was just about to pull the trigger on retirement. He's riding his bicycle, trying to get in shape and lose a little bit of weight and enjoy his retirement. And for some reason, we don't know what it was, he fell, hit his head, and had brain damage. The last three years, he has been in and out of the hospital, rehab, ICUs, Every imaginable thing you can have to you physically in the last three years, he's had happened to him. In the recent weeks, he's been in ICU at Harris Hospital, in Harris Hospital in a regular room. Most recently, he's been moved to Kindred here in town in Mansfield. He's supposed to go in the hospital at any time because now he has pneumonia. Uh, and that's, that's where they are in their life. And, 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 and she's there with him. It's a journey that they walk through together, of course. He's not alone with it. They walk through it together. 
Now, here's what she told me. Uh, this is a few, a few months ago. She said that when, when we are able to come to church, and he can't stand up hardly. He can't walk. He's in a wheelchair. Uh, he wears one of these waistband things you grab hold of when he is in rehab because he can't stand up because of the brain damage and other physical issues that happen in that bicycle wreck, which is so unfortunate. Uh, but she said, when it comes time to sing, and Scott announces a hymn, he says, she said, he's standing. He's standing. And, and he grabs hold of the pew, and he pulls up as best he can, and I'm watching, and I'm ready, and I grab that waistband, and I, I help him stand up and hold it the whole time while he and we sing whatever hymn it is. Because this guy is going to rejoice in his salvation even though he's lost everything that matters to him. All the things he wanted for retirement, thought about life was going to be, the stage of their experience with kids and grandkids, uh, enjoying travel, none of it's going to happen. It didn't happen, it's not going to happen. But he can stand at the back row, back of the church at First Methodist Mansfield. He can stand and he can sing as best he can, rejoice in God of my salvation. Rejoice in our salvation and not our situation. So I'll say again as I prepare to close that God says to you and me in this holy book in the middle of the Bible, you need this book, so I'm going to give it to you. Through a prophet named Habakkuk, through a journey in a very difficult time in the world more than 2,000 years ago, you're going to need that in 2,000 and in your life today. If you don't need it now, you're going to need it tomorrow. Rejoice in your salvation and not your situation. Will you pray with me, please? Heavenly Father, thank you today for the words you give us. We appreciate them so much. And surely bless Jack and his family, Robert and Brenda, and their relationship and their struggles now and their issues right now today with pneumonia and all their family. And God bless us. We hear the words of Habakkuk. We, we take them to heart, Heavenly Father. And you know us. You know our lives very, very well. But today, we thank you for the salvation you give us. Eternal life, forgiveness of sins, your presence and faithfulness every day, and above all, our relationship with you as our God. Grateful for this greatest of all gifts. So we thank you for that. May you direct us according to that truth, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.